Bird, let us on to your platform. All right, we're going to get on here in just a second. Uh, Facebook usually gets us on and we don't even know we're on, which is awesome. All right, everybody get your seats. It's almost time. I don't care oh, about you. Update your browser. Yeah, of course. All right, got it. It's being live streamed. All right, we're good on that. All right, let's record this to the to the cloud, to the gods. Oh, there she is. She's she so is. sexy. All right. It's Wednesday, so this must be Whiskey Wednesday. Man, they're a boisterous crowd. We got a full we got a full house tonight, um, and uh, which makes sense because we're we're doing compass box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, they're just they're they're crazy tonight. This is gonna be good. Um, Mark is here. Mark Nicolette is here. He is the vice, the VP of sales. Uh, as he's filming everybody, <laughs> we're, we're all being filmed. Mark um, is the vice president of Compass Box here in the United States. And uh, I will tell you, uh, I was recently Karen holds the record for most swears during a podcast. <laughs> I believe and, it. You believe it? All right. Good. Well, the, whatever the she over is, she's staring at me right now. Yes. I know she's probably following along on this because she knows I was going to be doing this today. I did text her, so let's see what happens. Yeah, you know, and Karen, you, you know, it's great. It was great. Is um, they have a if you look on Facebook, they have a closed captioning, and they were actually censoring her as we were going along. They, was, was they just, ran out of beeps. They ran out of beeps. They <laughs> you know they only have so many times for the the, the delay to work. Because we are on a slight delay, and I think that's the way I think that's the way they do it. Yeah. I don't know how I don't know how science works, so I'm not really that worried about it. Anyways, um, I'm very excited tonight to have you here because um, you basically have uh, taken over. Well, not taken over Karen's role. You have a different role, but now you're going to be our liaison. Correct to Compass Box. Correct. Right? A lot of cha great changes at Compass Box Whiskey Company. Uh, yeah, tell us about so, like some of the changes that are coming up. Oh, sure. So um, it's we call it Compass Box 2.0, a new evolution. Uh, what that means is for the last 22 years, John Glazer, our founder, whiskey maker, and owner, ran the company uh, out of the UK. And uh, last, early last year or middle last year, like on April, May, uh, Compass Box was purchased by a UK-based uh, VC, venture capitalist company called Kalem Capital. Um, a few gentlemen that are very uh, savvy in the adult spirits sector. And uh, they purchased uh, Compass Box outright and invested massively in resources. I was able to hire five new people in the US, um, some state market managers uh, for key markets, a trade marketing manager. And uh, with this um, merger came a new CEO who uh, is fantastic, very dynamic, uh, knows the industry very well. His name is Morris Doyle. He brought on uh, new leadership in the UK, brought a president of the Americas, uh, Judd Zussel. Um, and, and, then, and some of you might remember Judd Zussel because uh, Judd was actually here uh, at the time with uh, with Remy. And for those of you who did... Um, uh, and Riccolati uh, and John, and when John McKeown was here, was here. He he was part of that whole presentation when we had when we had Jim here, so um, we know him. Yes, going way back. So we're lucky to have him on board. He's uh, Morris and uh, Judd worked together in the past, and their specialty are small brands. And 
uh, incubation brands and building them. So now with this, John and John Glazer is still our whiskey maker. He's still part of the business, minority owner on the board, but his focus is whiskey making and consumer facing what he specializes in. So now the whiskey is going to get like, they've always been delicious, but wait until you see what we have coming down the pipeline with our limited. He doesn't have all these other distractions and stuff. He can yeah. concentrate on Correct. making stuff. Correct. For he's us. yeah. He's because he, before he wore so many hats, he was the marketing guy. He was the sales commercial sales guy. He was the finance guy. So now, and he had to source all the whiskeys. So he has James Saxon, who's his assistant whiskey. James maker. is great. He was amazing. You got to meet him recently. I did. I did. I'm going to talk about that later yeah. on. Yeah. Um, so James is his, uh, was his muse, his protege, if you will. Amazing palate, young, really sharp guy. Uh, so we're, we're firing all cylinders. We have a great leadership team. We've expanded our U.S. operation for the last six years. It was just four of us in the U.S. I was uh, the VP of sales and I had three regional managers, Karen being one of them. Karen got promoted and is running international sales. Um, and I, like I said, I've hired. She now four. swears in other languages. She, she right. swears in multiple. Is it? Which She's is bilingual. Bilingual. Swearing. And um, so we have, you know, market managers in four key markets. We have a new, we have three regional managers, a new one I hired in trade marketing, plus Judd running the show from the Americas perspective. So we have a, a lot of uh, marketing dollars behind us to really enhance our consumer awareness. So you should see a massive kick up in, uh, awareness for compass box because we our specialty is the whiskey consumer the whiskey enthusiast the adorers we need to branch out and get that second level of consumer what we call the availables that is the whiskey lover out there that doesn't know much about compass box doesn't know, know much about uh, blended scotch whiskey what we do and our job is to really uh, showcase that and get more people on board and what what's what i thought was interesting um also is that the the um which is really weird because we just heard. I don't know if you saw the news about uh, GNM. Yes, um, that they're stop. Yeah, stopping stopping stuff. But but the accessibility accessibility or accessibility that John now has uh, has increased, not diminished with this new um, with this new group. So so everything that was in play before um, this happened is now still in play. Right, because um, access to all these different uh, single malts and stuff like that, but now it's actually increased. It it has, and the not only have the relationships still stayed firm and strong, but the now they're they've gotten larger because now we've had the opportunity to purchase um, parcels of whiskey and futures, if you will. So we should not have any shortage. Uh, part of the investment on team taking over Compass Box was long term strategy. So we have a three, five, seven year plan to grow compass box uh dramatically and we also have plans for um future projects that um uh, i will tease uh but look forward for future projects down the road uh from this investment uh team to grow compass box from in a, a visitor center and awareness capability so i'll uh, leave it at that but a lot of great things to look forward to yeah i mean it's always i mean i love the office they love the office building but when i go you know i, I <laughs> the uber i just was in london I'm, we're, we're working on a project we're going to be talking about that later on tonight and i have the uber drive off me and he's like are you sure this is the place and i'm like yeah this is it and you know it's the big white building no thrills no, <laughs> no thrills. thrills like you know i'm in yeah. an industrial park and mm -hmm. it's sort of like ringing the bell it's like you know uh, and it says studios and people are like what are you doing back there and i'm like no no it's whiskey tasting trust me um 
And so I think, you know, that, that whole aspect of it and what John really wants to concentrate on and having James there. And uh, I, I think I, I, I'm very excited about the future. The future looks bright because John is extraordinary. He's seasoned. He's an expert in the field. And James is a, I mean, James is great. Mid, we got, we got late twenties, maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got, I, 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 like I said, I'm going to get a little bit further into that tonight about the, about the project. I wanted okay. to bring everybody in on that, but um, yeah, fantastic he, guy. Yeah. Next generation, next generation whiskey palette. And with John's tutelage, I mean, the two of them are, uh, they're uh, definitely simpatico. Yeah, there's a great yeah. force there. All right, enough of us uh, rattling on. Let's go back to the beginning, and let's start drinking some whiskey. 2000. All right. The year 2000 with hedonism. What's that? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. Save a little bit of number one, because we're going to reference it again when we get to number six. I've warned you all. Mm. And if you were drinking before, it's on you. So, so for those of you, obviously, that so in the United States we say hedonism, and yeah. in the UK they say hedonism. hedonism. Yes, why so, that is, I'm sure I've I've heard over the years with John, but um, it's just a vernacular. I, I, I just say he's, you know, you're John. You're still an American. Yeah. It's it's hedonism. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, so, do you guys from raise of hands who knows uh, the? Do you know story hedonism? Or or hedonism? Or I don't care how you say it. Do you know it? Decimus, it's a great one. Yes. So hedonism is the first whiskey that uh, John Glazer made and created. And a little backstory on John. Uh, John uh, is an American, grew up in Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, excuse me. And post-college, grad school, he uh, joined forces with Shefflin Somerset on the wine side. And he is a massive wine lover, loves wine blending, loves wine from all over regions. Old world is his specialty. And then in doing that, when Shefflin got absorbed by Diageo back in uh, the 90s, he was uh, interested in blended Scotch whiskey making, uh, i.e. John, uh, the, the Johnny Walker line. So uh, he moved to the UK and worked with the marketing team on promoting and learning about Johnny Walker. And in visiting all the distilleries that uh, Diageo owned and all the lovely whiskey that was used in the Diageo, uh, the Johnny Walker blends, he noticed a common denominator that there was a lot of great whiskeys that were not in the blends that he promoted or suggested to the powers of being. This is the 90s before the whiskey craze. Why don't we do like a craft line of blended Scotch whiskeys? I will blend them. We'll have creative names, creative labels to capture. And uh, they people at Diageo thought that's a great idea, but we're not going to mess with mothership Johnny Walker. So he expertly and uh, intuitively asked for um, the ability to buy stocks of whiskey from Diageo, which that has expanded to other commercial mm -hmm. companies and independent bottlers throughout Scotland. So John has a stable of whiskeys that's quite impressive that he can purchase from. Nobody would be able to do that today. No way, no how. And Compass Box was born out of his flat or kitchen in London with uh, in 2000, and Hedonism was uh, the first whiskey he created. And he wanted to immediately out of the gate, be different. And if you, those of you that ever met John, he is one of the most amazing, wonderful people. And he just thinks differently. And he wanted to create a grain only blended Scotch whiskey, a blend of grain whiskeys to export from Scotland to the UK. And uh, Hedonism was the first one to ever do it. So um, it is a blend of uh, typically two to three, sometimes four grain whiskeys. Um, it is a batched item, meaning 
that because we source all of our whiskeys and we were a small company, uh, we bought as we bottled and as we grew and as we made products. So hedonism, uh, John always jokes, it's his, he likes to keep it as late teenage year old whiskey, meaning he likes to keep the age upper teens, low twenties. He uses different uh, compositions of blend of a blended grain, typically North British, Cameron Bridge, Fort Dundas. And uh, every batch is different, but we have a transparency policy that if you go to our website, click on hedonism, you'll see all the batch numbers from all the years and you click on it and John and James recently kind of nail it. And it's a, it's an evolving profile, but they try to be consistent batch after batch, but that's the beauty of what John does. It's live animal. And he knows that things are going to be different year over year. So hedonism is our firstborn uh, blended grain whiskey aged in uh, ex bourbon casks um, predominantly. And it is probably the closest thing we have to a, uh, an American style whiskey. It's a great gateway to bring American bourbon lovers over to the Scotch whiskey side because you'll get all those lovely notes of caramel, caramel vanilla, coconut, creme right. brulee, yeah. vanilla. So salute, enjoy. You, you know, the other part of this too is, is uh, oh, enjoy that. Um, the other part of this too is for, for most people that are, if you are really into whiskey when, when like hedonism came out, right? If you were like really super geeky into whiskey, you have had some older aged uh, grain whiskeys. But if you weren't, most people had not at that time even talked about, never mind, drank older, older aged grain whiskeys. Grange was grain, if you knew anything about whiskey, was sort of always the like that was the filler. Yeah. That's what you sort of yeah. started with. It was right? the second thought. Yeah. Like you, you you would start as a base of that. You, most of your blend would be of, of uh, would be that. And then you'd start adding some single malts to add on to the flavor. So we never really thought of sort of like standing on its own was mm -hmm. sort of like there was there was some out there, but it really wasn't at the forefront. John was basically basing his company on that concept, Massive which bet. is like, yeah, that's a huge bet. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, as I like to say, the proof is in the pudding, right? Um, you taste it and there's all these other great flavors going. And you're like, oh, my God, look at this. Let's let taste that. Oh, my. You know, and, and from this, what you think is maybe a simple base to start a mm -hmm. whiskey making whiskey from is now is now focused and spotlighted in this in this in, in this ring and when when did he first start coming over to the u.s because we were just looking at something upstairs when, we, when was the first u.s the first u.s batch was uh 2000 and uh there's our birthday there's two birthdays we celebrate <laughs> october and late february so there's a 50 50 divide in the office some people celebrate october some people celebrate february so um i would like to say probably october of uh 2000 and John has a phrase, drink creatively. And that is something he lives by. And uh, this is a great testament to that because a blended grain whiskey uh, was so, as, as Ryan alluded to, so unique and different. And that's typical John, whoever met, who, anybody who's ever met John, he just wants to be different and separate himself. And he's so interesting in that regard. So um, right out of the gate, he uh, gambled and, uh, and won. And here we are 23 years later and yeah. we're evolving. Because we, we were uh, noticing, because we were actually trying to figure it out, but I, I just went upstairs and looked. We had the first dinner with John was 2005. Five. And I think, I don't think he had been here. I don't think he had been in Massachusetts for, I want to say more than a year at that point. Yeah, I don't know when John Can't, like, started like, taking trips to the U.S., right, but right. it was no, early 2000s. No, but I'm even saying like the, the whiskey 
was shipped here, but mm-hmm. not every place got it. It's small, small lots. Yeah. I think Massachusetts, you know, I don't know where in the where in the uh, the totem pole they would have been where it would have come in. Well, it ironically it started with the Charmer Sunbelt Group. Yeah. So Charlie Marinoff was a big instrumental uh, influence right. in John and helped him export into the U.S. So it started with the Charmer Sunbelt Group, and their presence was the Northeast. So that's where it started. Yeah, and we didn't even. As a matter of fact, the place that we had the um, we had the dinner is no longer in existence. So there you go. I mean, so but we we know we've been always a strong supporter of of Compass Box. I, I love the concept from the get go, and you know um, we've ever since then we've had Compass Box has been on the shelf. I, I would say probably since two thousand three, maybe two thousand three. Had to be like a year or so before. John came over yeah. and did a tasting. So we had to have had it before that, yeah. pretty sure. And that's a that's a great point because we have a lot of early adopters and those early adopters have stayed loyal to uh, what we're doing and have gotten it. A lot of com- accounts have come and gone, but there we have our staple of, of supporters and Julio's and Ryan has been definitely one of them from day one, which is amazing. Thank you. Now the next the next whiskey we're, we're gonna tr- we're gonna try tonight is <clears throat> sort of like so we've sort of seen the past of of hedonism and, and or hedonism however you want to say it but now we're sort of like this is sort of like the new focus right now is now the orchard house compass box 2.0 2.0 okay it's... so orchard house is going to be there and and quite a few of us here are actually pretty big fans of of orchard house anyways I think John was saying he has two bottles at his house right now so this is something that's and within a couple of years that just come out. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's about two years old. Two years old. John, this concept had been rattling around in John's head for many, many years. And uh, he wanted to create something that was, how can I kind of paraphrase this to make it simple? He wanted a Saturday, Sunday afternoon, lovely drinking whiskey that celebrated spring, summer, fall. He wanted something that was um, kind of the Japanese style. He was always kind of a fan of what Japan was doing with their whiskeys. Mm-hmm. And he wanted something that was bright and vibrant and something that was a very uh, adaptable to the American consumer palate, men, women of all ages. Uh, This is also a special whiskey for us because it's the first whiskey that we created that we've owned since new make. So Kleinleach and Linkwood are the dominant distilleries in this. And that's kind of John's salt and pepper, if you will. Yeah. He's put Linkwood and Kleinleach on the map. Of course, they're commercial distilleries, but relatively unknown in years past, but now they're very popular. And what he wanted to create here is he wanted to create like a spirit forward, which you get 92 proof, but does not come across that way. That's comes like a Sauvignon Blanc style Scotch whiskey. Uh, that sounds funny, but it really makes sense. If you think about it and you nose it, you get that lovely grass, that wax, that citrus. I get a lot of orchard, a lot of apple. I get some pineapple on the back palate. And it has a lovely creamy kiss of smoke on the back palate. And you'll get that one, like 1% Kalia kiss of smoke that kind of draws you in for another pull. So this whiskey from a price point perspective is fantastic. It is becoming very popular on premise. Uh, mixologists are starting to use it uh, in riffs on highballs, uh, riffs on sp- spritzes, and it's great in classic cocktails. It makes a f- killer penicillin. It makes a killer old-fashioned riff, uh, any way you want to enjoy it. And with the fall coming up, any sort of orchard or 
guava or any sort of uh, puree or juice that you want to blend it with, it's it's spectacular. So it's great on its own too. I, yeah. I really like the I like the I always apples and pears. It's great, and it's ninety two proof. Um, you would never never guess that, and that really that spirit forwardness really allows it to not only dilute lovely if you just put a little water in it or an ice cube, it opens up, but it just stands up in cocktails, and it you don't lose that profile. What do you guys think of this one? Love the orchard. Who, who, who um, at, just out of curiosity, uh, who's the first time having hedonism? Because I don't think it'll, some of you have had it. First time hedonism? What'd you guys think of that? Right? It's really cool, right? Yeah. And uh, also, you're like, oh my God, I'm drinking grain whiskey. Oh my God. It's, I it's can't believe it. Super I can't delicious. It's grain. Yeah, aged grain whiskey. And keep in mind, the hedonism is, is the, the age of it is really underrated because it's it's roughly 20 21 years old grain whiskey and today you can't get that for less than a couple hundred bucks and this is a great value uh whiskey or hedonism was so and i love the orchard house it's just so fresh and vibrant and you get some of those great fruit flavors and all that fruitiness is coming from the uh, the the distillate yeah and and um you know very little bar it's is less barrel influence on this, but it's so great. Great side note on this. Um, so John and I and uh, James and a few other people were in uh, Missouri in uh, March of 2000. We all remember what happened in March 2000, right? A little thing called COVID. So we were in uh, the woods of Missouri and John was at, we had on a tour with Independence Dave and John was in the middle of the woods cutting down and marking his white, um, white oak trees that he wanted to use for this concept and some future concepts so this will always resonate with me because i remember driving from missouri the woods of missouri to um, buffalo trace to have a, a meeting with those guys right when the pandemic came on and be like this is a global pandemic john looks at me and goes it's not good for business mark i'm like yeah i don't think so i get a better one because we were here march 1st 2020 we had had go whiskey week and it was the grand drama was the last event of a, a week where people from around the globe and around the U S were here. We had tw- uh, like about 12, 1200 people for the grand dram, which was our last event. Ugh. And I, 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 I say to this day, and I think you're still in, I think that was the last live whiskey event, maybe yeah. in the world, maybe in the world, because right after that, that's when everything shut, shut down. down. Yeah. We had a really good party just before yeah. the shutdown. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was- and no one got, no one got, no, it's the whiskey. No one got sick. Oh, it's the whiskey. It's yeah. the whiskey. But what else would you? What else could you tie it to? <laughs> right. And we did. I, I had a friend that just made it back to Italy. Of course, that was one of the Boston and Italy were some of the two ground zero to sort of yeah. type things. He got home and he said, and then he couldn't leave for like two years. Yeah, John. Uh, John got grounded. So that trip, we he was we were in Missouri, Kentucky, and uh, he couldn't get to. Uh, he was delayed in Atlanta and then they closed the airport. So he was stuck in uh, Atlanta for three months and yep. flew home in June. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're back and we're yeah. drinking whiskey again. Uh, we didn't actually really never stopped, yeah. but <laughs> we were drinking by ourselves. Now we can drink with everybody else too. So that's, that makes it a little bit better. All right. Mm. So then, <laughs> yay. Yay. The story of the Spaniard is yes. our next whiskey up. Tonight. So the, uh, the concept of this, so John, Let's go back to his wine roots. John was always a huge fan of uh, winemaking and he loved Spanish wines. And he always wanted to make a Spanish influenced whiskey uh, aged in sherry, aged in red wine casks, but he was uh, apprehensive to doing it because he didn't know what the end result would be like. 
So uh, back in 2018, 19, he uh, met a few gentlemen, God bless you, a few gentlemen in, uh, in Manhattan, New York City, in the West Village that opened a, re a restaurant called The Spaniard. And they specialized in, uh, in whiskey, Scotch whiskey, American, Irish whiskey, American whiskey. And these are, uh, they were Scottish lads, young, uh, you know, aggressive up and comers. And John just immediately hit it off with them. One thing led to another and John made a bespoke project uh, for them uh, that was heavily influenced on what John wanted to do in his head. And it was spectacular and they funded it and uh, they were like, don't worry, John, if it, if it's horrible, we'll, we'll take it anyway. And John made it and it was spectacular. So the Spaniard was the original. So the story of the Spaniard was born. John kind of took that premise and evolved it. And the story of the Spaniard was born and it's an ode to John's love of Spain and winemaking. So this is uh, a few different uh, single malt whiskeys that are heavily aged in Oloroso Sherry and Tempranillo red wine casks. So you get that cherry and chocolate immediately mm. on the nose from the Tempranillo yep. influence. And uh, sherry bombs is such a key phrase right now uh, that it's kind of our, our sherry bomb that has red wine cask influence. So the sherry really complements that cherry and chocolate. This is a, a great hybrid to red wine lovers in the U.S. over to the Scotch whiskey. Uh, you get that lovely deep texture, that kind of tannic, the long finish, really, really lovely flavored. So uh, I'm a big black Manhattan fan. I love Amaro's. So every Friday at around 630, I have dinner with the family and I make myself a Spaniard and Amaro uh, with a couple dashes of chocolate bitters stirred on a nice rock. That's my Friday. There you go. It's great. And Monday morning he wakes up. That's it. <laughs> so hope you uh, enjoy the Spaniard. I like this one a lot. I love it. Do you guys yeah. get that cherry chocolate with that nice, yeah. long, rustic finish? Yeah. So this like, is... Cocoa uh, really plays nice in there. It does. It does. So All right. So like, well, listen, I'm taking to an orchard. We've gone to the cherry tree here. You know, so there's this general theme that like all of these really, they stand on their own. There's just, there's, these are what John is able to do and what compass box is able to do is, is sought to give you a consistency of a product that hits a certain profile, but all the profiles are really sort of different, very different. So, so John, the analogy he uses, which stuck with me is that uh, think of compass box as a painter that uses a, uh, a tapestry or palette of all different colors under the rainbow every different color. And he makes wonderful whiskeys with all these different colors, which is extremely difficult, complicated. Uh, whereas a single malt producer is more linear, black, white, a little bit of gray. Doesn't Single malts are wonderful. Distillery juice from one distillery is amazing. But to take distilleries from all over Scotland, different profiles, terroirs, and to blend them cohesively together to make something that no one can ever duplicate because no one has the access to the stable of whiskeys that John does. So these are very unique. And I really revere and love what I do because every day I have about seven core whiskeys that I know somebody will like at least one of them. Normally they like multiple of uh, multiple uh, compositions and expressions. I get seven chances that I can, you know, I, I can seven bring chances. this home, bring yes, this home. I can. So, right. And it's, it's really the art of the blend. I mean, yes. we talk about this ad nauseum on certain aspects of this, this uh, industry. But when you start working across 
um, distilleries and also single malts, and then you're working with grain. You know, you're you're ever ever expanding of what you're what you can do. I mean, in Japan, they have these blenders bar, right? And these guys, you know, some of these uh, Japanese uh, like some they have like several distilleries, and they're working and they're making like these multiple uh, sort of concoctions where they're taking like an upside down pyramid and mixing these together and these together. And then they're taking those final products and they're mixing these together and they finally get to what they want. You got to remember, even though they did that, they're still starting with ba- a, a, a lot of basic um, uh, uh, distillate. Mm-hmm. And even though they're playing with that, with cast types and all this other stuff, that's still a different program than saying like, okay, basically anything I can get I got to taste. Now I got to take all of that stuff and somehow cohesively make a product. One that I can make consistently. Yeah. Yeah, right. Heads, heads about to. Right. Right. Yeah. One that I can make consistently. And then two, I have to have variation enough that I can have <laughs> that I can give Mark seven to go. Out so he can hit one of you with the seven, hopefully yeah. multiples. But and that's sort of the that's the that's the big game yeah. picture. That's a that's a when you start really starting like really breaking it down and expanding it to what it actually is. That's a daunting task. It is. And John has blending is our platform for creativity, start to finish, because it gives him such the freedom to do whatever he wants. And he likes thinking outside the box. He likes being dynamic and different and interesting. And uh, what you get is exactly that. And blending, obviously, for many years was frowned upon. And now it, thank goodness, with even all the single malt producers are starting to go away from age statements and doing cast finish statements like not statements and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Oak, oak, because. But, you know, it's always been. And here's the thing is we we, we talk about painting. We paint this picture of different ways that we want to express an, an idea. Right. So we always talk about single malts and everybody saw it people get confused with single malts and to single barrels and they don't understand that even in a single malt you have somebody that's blending multiple single barrels together to get you that flavor profile that you're trying in your you know non-age statement or your 12 or your 15 or your 18 that's whatever that may be you still have to have somebody yeah. putting those together yeah. and we all and, and they get confused with that because a single yeah. barrel it, again is a very different animal yeah. That's a very unique when you when you let out a single barrel, you say, man, this is just too good. I don't want to mess with this stuff. It's just this is so unique. We want you to really try it just the way it is. And that's and that's and that's that's really such a small percentage of what happens. That's such a small percentage of what what Scott whiskey making is. It's very few. But it's always been the it's always been the blenders that have made consistently the products that you mm-hmm. like, whether they're 12, they're fi- they're 15, they're 18 or they're non-age statements. Yeah. It's still a goal. To, for a blender to get that flavor profile time and time again. Yep. And, and we put them in the back room yeah. for so long mm-hmm. that we forgot that like, actually they're really important. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, you know, there's all the top leader single malts out there are a blend of different compositions under that one distillery. Right. So they are blended malts. They're just one house blended malts. And that's another thing. A lot of those companies added co- uh, caramel coloring to them to get a consistent everyday color. We do not do that. We do no chill filtering. Yeah, if, you look up, if you look, I mean, it's tough to see on, of course, on Facebook or anything like that. But you guys are live here. You can see the color variations. There's no hot. We're not, they're not trying to hide behind putting something, everything that looks exactly the yep. same. And by the way, just so you're not fooled, there's some of the lightest looking whiskeys that I've ever had have had the most flavor. And you go like, mm-hmm. feeling that's kind of, it looks like water. Yeah. 
How, how, how where's all this flavor coming from? Well, look at well, the a, color doesn't Orchard have, House. Yeah, Orchard, Orchard House has a ton of flavor, yeah. and it looks, you know, that's probably the palest yellow yeah. out of yeah. all of them. That golden color, pale gold color. I mean, you know, so don't judge a book by its cover so much. Yes, you know? absolutely. Although we put pretty covers on all these, anyways, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. What's the next one? Is I think is Spice Tree, right? Yes. So Spice Tree, aka our illegal whiskey. What do I mean by that? Yes. Question. What's that? Oh, okay. oh. <laughs> the illegal whiskey. The illegal yes. whiskey. So this this sort of um, this sort of started the um, the sort of the controversy with the Scotch Malt Whiskey Association, yes. right? Yes. So in two thousand five, six, seven, when John uh, conceptualized this blend, uh, at the time he took three distilleries that he loves: Klein, Leach, Dalyuane, and Tianic. And that's what our that's John's ketchup. That's our Highland Malt blend. So if you look at a lot of our whiskeys. There's always a small proportion of whiskeys that's called Highland Malt Blend. That's the makeup of the Highland Malt Blend. And the what's important about that is that the age finishing. So uh, John made a, the first batch of, of Spice Tree was created. John was the first to take American barrels, American uh, yeah, barrels, and he took French oak staves and lined the American barrels with the French oak. So you had that combination of love, that spicy from the French and that creamy from the American. And then he ate, and we did a, uh, a light, a light to medium char on those staves. So you had that extra layer of spice, clove, cedar, and it was a lovely, delicious rye whiskey style kind of whiskey, Scotch whiskey, the Scotch whiskey association, the governing body that manages the rules in Scotland of what you can do is said, no, that's illegal. You added a fourth element. <clears throat> can't do that <clears throat> excuse me so after multiple conversations and and uh and bouts with them he settled on american bourbon barrels with french oak heads and tails that he did that a nice medium to heavy char on and that's what spice tree today has become so that is a very signature uh component of john in spice tree it's innovation within the very stifling rules of the Scotch Malt Whiskey and, Association. Correct. And that's become something that's been a new mover. Makers 46 adopted that. We, that's uh, their well, by box. the way, I, I just did three barrels down at Makers this past uh, week of um, the uh, private selection yeah. uh, with different stave combinations yeah. that we, we've, we've done. Yeah. We've done one that we've done that we've done. Uh, this is the seventh barrel of the same stave combination. It's become so popular. And is the uh, the whiskey maker still that one, the female, the woman? Yes. I okay. And we did a women's oh, no, whiskey. She, she just left. She, she, left? Left? she just okay. left. Yeah. So we did a women's whiskey a few years ago, and Jill Boyd, uh, one of John's uh, other whiskey makers, Jill's been here too. Came and, and we did a panel, and it was uh, makers Jill. and Jill, and the maker woman uh, distiller said, "Yes, we got this concept from John Glazier. Thank you for Compass Box for introducing that to us." So that's something that he did first and foremost. So really interesting. And, it, it, yes. and it's always good to get in get in trouble with the. Um, ruling body it is it's, yeah. john's like if you're not pushing the envelope and getting in trouble you're not you know you're, you're not trying you're not trying hard enough and karen i got i don't think i've sworn once have i no swears no, no. you 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 no like beep, a, no you're like an arsenal like 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 a bank of swears you can just lay in you still won't be That's close it. to karen so <laughs> karen uh she her her whiskey descriptions are fantastic and uh she she calls by uh, spice tree her um if McAllen and Rittenhouse Rye had a secret love child, it'll be Spice Tree. 
So that's kind of her, uh, her, her, and it, she's nailed it. It's right. It's right on. So I love rye whiskey. I love drinking it with a, a cold draft beer, a nice, a nice IPA or a session or a hazy. And uh, it, it really complements that well. And I also enjoy it in uh, with a, an ice cube or in a, in a classic old fashioned or Manhattan riff. So yeah, nice. Cheers. What do you guys think? Vice tree. Okay. You can keep mixing those things up. That's not, it's, I will give you the New England, the New England thumb of approval. It's not bad. Not, not, there you go. Not bad. It's not bad. Only in New England do we describe things in the negative, meaning positive. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't suck. There you go. Now, there's one that doesn't suck. Um, that's, that's, that's the highest praise you can get. Um, <laughs> so welcome to the club. Um, I'm waiting for the, I'm waiting for the wicked badass one to come out. No, um, so last time Karen was here, we were describing a, uh, that was Grandma's Attic, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, we, we were describing, getting down to notes, and her and I had a, a, a heated battle discussion about Grandma's Attic as a flavor. Grandma's uh, Attic, okay. Yeah, so this doesn't have that. No. No, no, we're not talking about that now. Karen, please don't kill me from across <laughs> the pond, but uh, this one doesn't have it, so um that's really good. I like that. I, I love I like Spice Tree. Spice Tree is one of my go-tos. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. All right. So I hope, I hope, I gave you fair warning that you should save a little bit of the first one because we're not there yet. Wait a minute. We're not no. there yet. Oh, no. Oh, no. Sorry. We're doing I, I your barrel pick. I apologize. I apologize. Calm down. It yeah. just means there's more whiskey. Jeez, you know, I turned 57 this year and all last year when I was 56, I told people that I was 57. It's so uh, there you go. I'm just doing the same go. thing. It didn't make a difference, did it? No, you still have the same amount of whiskeys, don't you? All right. That's it. Oh, they're about to like, they're about to like mutiny out here. Mm. It's crazy. All right. So we won't do that. We'll go into um, Pete and Cherry's dinner party. That's it. Yeah. So this is our version or our pick of what John was doing some special stuff. We, this is actually the second time <clears throat> when John originally decided to do this, he, he took, he took um, what, which was the, the artist blend and he, he mixed, he blended it. Then he put it back into barrels. Correct. So you take the compositions that are in artist and Glasgow blend uh, the four or five uh, whiskeys, uh, one grain, typically in four to three to four uh, malt. And he chose different cask finishings, sherry butt, a French oak, a grain, uh, and a American barrel. And he deposited that blend in one specific barrel for an additional anywhere from one year to two years. And, and he upped the ABV from 80, uh, 80 or proof from 86 uh, to- oh, It was 49. So 40, sorry, ABV from, uh, yeah. So ABV up to 49 proof. Uh, or percent. So just under cast strength, uh, sherry influence finish. So this is a, and this is a, a pick that uh, uh, certain individuals get to taste, try different barrel picks. So John was the first to really do a scotch. It's a scotch barrel pick, essentially. And uh, it's been really popular. We don't do many. We do, uh, we've done it for a few years. And uh, we, for the US, we, we, it's, it's, low double digits so it's not very many barrel picks and they tend to be really proprietary and delicious and uh it's just an extra way to express and evolve uh what we can do and uh the beauty of uh our blended scotch whiskeys out there how complex they are 
how wonderful they are, how uh, this one, uh, the, the Lefroy really shines through. So this has Lefroy in it, sherry finished, lovely peat, that sherry and that Lefroy. It's kind of like a baby gateway to the peat and smoke, like dip your toe into it. That ABV really shines through. So it's, uh, it's a delicious, rich, full, bold. Um, Try this one. See what you think. And you can only get it here. I love this one. And, and, and we named this one Pete and Sherry's Dinner Party. Yeah. It's out of a play on the Pete and the Sherry components of this. What a lot of people don't know, and some people in the audience do know, is when John first started this sort of like said, we're going to do it this way. And I said, OK. And what he was doing at that time, he was letting everybody take like all four types. There were like four types. And he did the artist blend was the first one. Yeah. And then we would do all types. And I go, great. I want mine to have I, I, I want mine to have I'm going to I'm going to do them the uh, playing cards. So I want uh, four suits. So we had clubs, spades, yes. hearts, diamonds. Oh, my goodness. And we did right. the whole thing. So I could tell I'm not really good at this stuff. So I could tell by looking at it, which which blend it was, which which barrel he put it back into. And and I'm saying, like, because as it was described to me, I'm like, well, how am I going to tell which one? Like, it was like really small lettering. I'm like, how am I going to tell which one's which? Right. And this whole thing. And and, and I said, no, 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 I'm just going to do it my, my own way. And I did this whole thing. And <laughs> Gary goes, you were the only one who could tell the difference. Yeah. <laughs> because we did this sort of playing card thing in, in the suits of the playing card. So we would know which one it was. Listen, I'm not a really bright guy. I have to have like, I have to have like little like hints that. Yeah. Why do you think we name all the barrels? You guys, we yeah. name all the barrels so that I can remember which one they were. Yeah, if you if they're I mean, number, if you go barrel number two seven nine seven six four two, and people used to come up to me and say, "Hey, you remember barrel two number seven seven six four two? And I go, "What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Can you at least tell me which distillery it was?" But yeah. if you come to me and say, like, you know, like, "Oh, Pete and Sherry's dinner party," oh, yeah. well, that was this. Yeah, and I know what it is. Yeah, and you know, as I get older, I I go, "Wow, <laughs> younger me was actually pretty smart because I could never come close now." So, so what do you guys think of this one? Yeah, this is like really good. This is an, uh, I hate to say it for a lot of people. This is an unsung hero mm -hmm. um, that we've been trying to get people on because uh, it's such a rich flavor profile. And one of the things is we have to tell people that don't like Pete that this, in this instance, Pete is more of a, um, a salt, a spice. Yeah. yeah that enhances the whole deal it's not the dominant flavor it's not a peat monster it's not you know it's not a peat that's going to take over everything your palate you can you can have something else after this which we're going to yeah it's an accoutrement it's yeah. a it's yeah. a it's a it's, it's an enhancer it's a an flavor enhancer, enhancer. so yeah. i like karen uses um swears to enhance uh her sentences <laughs> She's going to read this and she's going to kill me. This is sort of like that. It's a, it's a sentence enhancer. Yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, but like, but, but see how intricate it is. And you have all these different flavors that follow. This is why we call it the dinner party. Yeah, Pete, you have Sherry, but it's a dinner party. It's all these different courses and flavors that come out. So that's what was sort of what we're, we were yeah. going for this. And this is obviously like a special. This is a this uh, is it. Julia, yeah. Whenever it's, this is gone, it's, it's gone. gone. I think we got still some in the basement and we got a stack upstairs, but that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. All right. So so now I can say this again. You guys you <laughs> six, saved a little. Six. Yeah. We're having sex. You I saved a little bit of one, right? No. Uh, I'm going to pass one around if there's any left over. There's none left over. Oh, well. We're doing a lot of whiskey tonight. <laughs> yeah. You'll be lucky you make it to the end. 
All right. Um, so this next one is the experimental. Correct. So the experimental grain uh, is part of the hedonism uh, kind of vertical, if you will. So John has, uh, over the course of his career, we do a few limited editions per year and they're special releases, one and dones, meaning the U.S. will get three to five, 600 cases, six packs, and they're gone. Uh, that's it. Uh, we don't do them again. We, on occasion, we'll do a vertical. Uh, we've done a no name one, two, and three. We've done Flaming Heart one through seven. And we do a different verticals of hedonism. We've done Maximus. We've done Quintessimus. We've done... Um, Felicitas, we've done uh, Hedonism 2, and we've, the Muse, thank you, the Muse. Uh, so this kind of falls under the heading of. Maggie's yeah, got them all. That, they're, they're, I have them all too, because I love that, that American bourbon style palette. Yeah, it's really good. So John, earlier I said John is all about thinking outside of the box and drinking creatively and being different. So John wanted to kind of for us, take a, uh, for the first time for us, take a, uh, a wonderful Loch Lomond and uh, PD smoky uh, whiskey and, and blend it with his hedonism base, some uh, Cameron Bridge, some North British, all the lovely grain distilleries that he's used in the past, but add a little peat and smoke to it to really enhance, thus the experimental grain. He had no clue what this was going to taste like. Traditionally, Grain whiskeys are continuous column distilled. This is some of this is pot distilled, so it's new to that. And and these uh, some of the, the like especially that one the, the when you start getting into like the peaty they're 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 um, they're heavy and oily. Yes, they're, very they're, difficult they're very to difficult. understand right. what they're going to do and how they're going to play. And nicely. a little goes a long way. Yes, because they're so, very flavorful. It's kind of like cilantro in food. Cilantro you'll get it immediately. It's not for everybody. It's acquired. Same with peat and kind of smoke in a whiskey blend. So this was uh, John's experiment, and uh, it was really outside the box and really delicious. And uh, if you get it, you get like you get those lovely notes of the caramel, the coconut, the vanilla, but you get that subtle creaminess overlay of that peat and smoke. Not completely. I think I think the this one you get sort of what I like to call the sweet peat. Yeah, it's young enough whiskey where you're not getting that sort of that um, you're not getting a lot of that uh, earthy sort no. of peaty. You get sort of that sweet, almost candy tone. Yeah. Yeah. Pineapple-y. And there's no burn. There's no heat. There's no recoil. It's just super lovely and luxurious going down. All right. This is another one that I think Ryan has a few bottles left. Have and when it's gone, eight, it's gone. Eight bottles left of it. That's it. We actually got more of it. That's why we have the eight bottles. All right, Joe, just remember, I got to repeat this for everybody. So go ahead. Peat, yeah. No, how was the peat introduced? The peat, it's a peated malt. It, uh, the, no, it's a, a no, peated it's grain. A, it's a peated grain. Peated it's a grain. single grain peated Loch Lomond. So it's very unique. Yeah. The first time Loch, Loch Lomond did a peated grain. Yeah. So this is it. So this is like a, uh, call it a platypus or a unicorn, whatever you want to, something really different. Jackalope. Yeah. Uh, what's the percentage? It wants to know because peat can overcome a lot of stuff. So what's the percentage of, of peated uh, grain whiskey in this? The, do you know? The Loch Lomond. Yep, I do. It's right here. And uh, it is fifth. Uh, nope. It is. Uh, the Loch Lomond is, bear with me, is. Uh, it's really small. You 30, yeah, 31%. 31% of it is the Loch Lomond. 
Yeah. yeah. But I got to tell you, though, um, uh, the Loch Lomond peated is not a heavily peated um, no. profile because it's it's tough to make a yeah. grain calm distilled heavily peated. Right. Yes. Am I correct on this? Yes. Yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah. So it, now now you can go back and forth between one and six. Mm-hmm. You can't really you can't. Well, well, Lynn, if you drink it all, it doesn't work. <laughs> but this is the this is the that's basically the difference between the two. If you do a side by side, it's almost a kiss of smoke. It's not overbearing. It's not overwhelming. It's actually really lovely and quite nice. Yeah. And if you add a little dollop of water or put a nice ice sphere in there and have it dilute slowly, it's going to really open up lovely. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. All right, so uh, so we've now ended the uh, the portion of our evening where we have all these whiskeys. We're about to delve into a point where we don't, but you get to try it. So, the next one on the dais today is something that um, I, I I I muled back from England. You did, yeah. I snuck it out. <laughs> he did. He did. Judd says, "Just take this and go, please. We don't want to run, see you on it. run, and don't stop run, at the don't uh, stop customs." At the, yeah. Um, I was able to bring back for us to uh, to have this evening from England, um, uh, from the the studios, live from the studios, live from uh, Nine Power Street. Power Street, yeah. So true to form, John's always thinking outside the box, and this is this this is what happens when John can focus on whiskey making and not running a company. He can think outside the box. He can get creative. So we're trying to expand our awareness. And one way of doing that is direct to consumer online. So this is a web shop exclusive. We're dipping our toe in that arena. We finally have the resources because as you know, DTCs are extremely labor intensive, expensive to operate. So we are, this is our first web exclusive and it's not a Scotch whiskey. Why you say? Because this is a 60, 40 collaboration of 60% Ardbeg really lovely peaty smoky you'll get on the nose immediately and 40 percent is um bimber the uk whiskey distillery that uh is john has a lovely relationship with and they created their four-year-old whiskey blend and around the same time that we created this blend so it's a partnership with bender and ardbeg 60 40 and it is pretty, pretty spectacular. The profile is really lovely. Um, the, uh, yeah, the, I mean, the cask finishing is uh, oak barrel, ref- uh, refill charred barrels, and uh, the binder is all sherry finished. So really rustic, lovely long finish. Uh, you can get the Ardbeg immediately, immediately. Uh, that's that quintessential um, kind of, not charcoal, but that amber, that that campfire amber. Not yet. So um, I hope you guys enjoy it. And sadly, you can only get it on a web shop, which means it's a UK uh, yet. Uh, export. Yep. Yes. Is it our break time? You What's the years? Uh, I don't know if it gives the years on it. It does. Uh, give me a second. I have to do some quick math. It is... Uh, it is uh oh my God. what's good about uh, about compass box is you can actually go on the site and br- it'll break everything down for you too so you don't have to like and i'm going to show you something really cool later 19 on. 19 19 year old hard 
I think this is lovely. I think it's really different. I think it's neat. It's, um, it's great. It's, yeah. it's very outside the box thinking. Once again, who does that? Um, we did a whiskey called Infinity a couple of years ago. Remember Infinity? Yep. That um, that uh, whiskey spirit that had six-year-old XO uh, um, Drew and Calvados uh, blended with John's lovely malt whiskey. I mean, come on, who does that? And so this is uh, this is another kind of feather in our cap of how uh, different we are and the, uh, the 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 creativity that we 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 have the capacity to do. Hey. <laughs> oh yeah, he's not a Pete. We got a, not a not a not a, a no. friend of Pete over there. Yeah, yes, yes, Mega. It is still available. Yes, two hundred pounds shipped to the U.S. If you can get it, yeah, and you can't ship to Mass. So I hope you enjoyed it tonight. Oh my gosh! But I get I get some I get some better news. Okay, so we are going to talk about we are going to talk about this. You're going to actually get to try another whiskey tonight. I'm I'm not going to tell you what this one. I'm going to tell you a story about a whiskey. It's not the one you're tasting, but I want to give I want to give John an opportunity to get. I'm going to tell the story while John gets you all of this whiskey. We're actually going to go off the air to actually taste this whiskey, and I can tell you what it is. But I'm going to tell you what I was doing in at the at the studios in London um, this couple weeks ago. All right, so. We're working on a, another bespoke whiskey. For those of you who are familiar, we did one with Aster uh, out of New York, and we worked with uh, Daniel Fisher and uh, Greg Glass at the time and John, and we came out with a, a whiskey called Rivals, New York and Boston. What else would you name it, right? So some of you have had that one, and I thought it came off rather well. Um, so as you know, next year – oh, thank you. Thank you, John. There's there Rivals is. right there. Um, yeah. And um, – so there was only um, it was only 690 bottles of that that we that that um, came out of that one, but uh, for those of you who don't know, next year uh, 2024 will be Julio's Liquor's 50th uh, anniversary. So yes, do you believe it? He was only seven years old when he started Julio's. Should have seen me picking whiskey then. It was great. <laughs> um, I, listen, my grandmother. How do you think I teeth? <laughs> um, so. What I wanted to do is I, I had been talking to John. I'd been talking to Karen about like, you know, I'd like to do something a little different for our 50th. And um, so we started talking, started talking a couple of years ago about a bespoke project. Um, and so I was over in London working on the, the start of that, how we were going to do it, what it was going to be, um, and then start also doing some some blends on that. So. I, I will let you know that the the product name, uh, the whiskey's name is going to be more. Um, M-O-R-E, period. Um, it, it, it goes back, uh, for those of you who have been in the Lock and Key Society long enough, you know where the term more comes from, all right? What the, it's a tasting note, but it's so much more than that. It's a tasting note. What does this taste like? Oh, it tastes like more. I would want more. That was actually a joke that was started by my dad. Um, when we would talk about stuff, he goes, oh, this really tastes like more. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, I want some more. And he put his cup out. And <laughs> so, but it also has a deeper meaning for us here at Julio's. The more part is we're always striving to do, it was conceptually, we're always striving to do more, to actually push the boundaries more, more, more. We, we have 50 years that we don't want to stop there. We want more than that. Um, for our customers, we want more. We want you guys to be able to experience all these other things that we that we're doing. 
So we're in the process right now of developing the whiskey more, which will hopefully be here. If we get everything done on a timeline, we're looking probably November, October, November next year. Okay, to get sort of get everything done, labels, all of this type of stuff done. So we're working conceptually. We we have, um, and I'll figure out how we're going to do this. But we, we're, I will let you in right now. We're on uh, version four right now, um, which I think if not if it's not it, it's it's really Johnny. You can no, you can put those out. Don't drink this that he's giving you. This is not more. I'm just, you're going to try something else. I just sort of telling the story so John can get you your whiskey. Completely not Completely, confusing yeah, it all, right? Yeah, not confusing it all. <laughs> I will tell you what, I will tell you right now what more consists of because I think it's, huh? Yes, I know. That's okay. That's the one I can't talk about. I can talk about mine. Um, of, of, of the recipe that we're, we're at right now, just so you guys get a, a, a hint. Here it goes. Uh, McDuff Distillery, age 15, this, and I'm not going to give you percentages, but I'll give you what it is. Talisker Distillery, Recharge Hogshead, which is 16-year-old. Mortlock Distillery, Recharge Barrel, which is 21-year-old Mortlock. A blend, uh, I'll do this one first. Abelord Distillery, a Recharge Barrel, which is 24 years old. Um, a Blended Malt Remnant, which is 17.4 um, average age of the remnant because it's already a blend that blend i will break it down for you so you know what it, that one is i can't tell you what it is but here i can't tell you what it is but i can tell you what makes it up 42.7 percent of mortlock 16 percent of deanston rechard 2.5 percent of deanston sherry Jeez. all right 13 percent of glen elgin rechard five percent of glen elgin sherry and 5.4 percent of lafroy rechard hogshead it also creates. It also contains sixteen point seven percent of the Highland Malt Blend, which, as you said, it was the Klein Leash, the Tinnock, and the Dal Dalwini, Dal Dalwini, Dalwini. All right, Dal Dalwini, Dalwini, Dalwini. Okay. Um, so, if we just go with that, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 whiskeys that are making up this right now. The average, <laughs> the average, the average age is over 19 years old of the average of these. And the youngest one I think that we have in there is still, it's still way up there. We're just going to, when we're finally done, we'll give everybody the breakdown. So I'm not really worried about putting an age statement on it, but I'm just going to worry about letting you guys see everything's in it. So um, that's what we're working on right now. Um, I think we're close. If we're not, I, I really like the last one we did a lot. It's very well balanced. I think it's, I think it's really, really great. And I'm very happy with it. So we're going to mull on it a little bit and see if that's actually it. And uh, as we get closer, I'll, I'll give you more information. So uh, that was the last thing I wanted to say on this broadcast because we are on Facebook Live right now, and we'll also be on It's the Liquor Talking, wherever you get your podcast, look out for this one. This one will be up there very shortly. I want to say bye to everybody that's on Facebook. I want to say bye to everybody that's on our podcast. You should have been here because we had one more special whiskey that everybody here is going to get to try way before it's released. But you had to be here. Uh, All right. So <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for joining. Thank you.